It really is a revolution. Welcome to the third series of our show called Abaktokli. Abaktokli is a Nguni name for storytellers, and our show, Abaktokli the Storytellers, aims to share and unlock local, intercontinental, and intergenerational stories of women, illuminating women that are shaping and creating legacies, profiling African women as thought leaders and change makers. My name is Lebu Biko. I am joined by my partner Rehema Isa, and together we're the founders of Womenomics Africa. Womenomics is a non-profit organization that exists to accelerate women's participation in what we believe are key economies, not just locally but across the continent. In this third series, titled "Mastering Change," we are so excited to be partnering with Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. As you can tell from the name, Mastering Change is inviting our guests to share their experiences and their perspective of how they've navigated both personal and business change. Today's guest is the inimitable Christy Maheri. Mm. Christy, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. <laughs> We're so happy to have you on the show because um, we've heard, rumor has it, that you don't do a lot of these interviews. Yeah, <laughs> never. <laughs> so we feel very privileged. <laughs> so we're very privileged. Yeah. And, and what you represent is, is one of those women who runs under the radar. But when somebody within your network happens to introduce you, um, they've got such amazing things to say about you that piques our interest. Mm. In the true nature of this show, which aims to get your voice into the room more than ours, mm-hmm. we would like for you to take the time to introduce yourself the way you would like to. Given that you keep such a low profile, mm-hmm. we're curious as to what you would highlight, what you would profile, mm-hmm. and what you would say about yourself in an introduction to the world. Well, I am a purpose-driven entrepreneur and investor. So mm-hmm. I leverage my unique skills and experience in life to affect change and to create a better world that I live in. I'm passionate about youth and um, female empowerment, and I've been on the board of Junior Achievement Africa since 2017. Jay mm-hmm. is one of the um, oldest, most impactful youth-serving NGOs. I believe that um, you know Africa's youth can be our global competitive advantage if we equip them with the right digital skills. Um, as Africans, we have the grit to become a superpower. So security is in my DNA. So mm-hmm. after selling my business last year, Law Trust, um, I co-founded a new startup called Baltic. Um, mm-hmm. We develop high-tech solutions to mitigate cybercrime. We also have a foundation focused on creating awareness and um, using technology to combat human trafficking. Sure, that sounds like quite a lot. <laughs> so you've so you've sold one business and you're on to the next already. Some people might say, "Yo, I thought maybe you'd be sipping cocktails in Camps Bay or something." No, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I mean, just I mean, just for our listeners who might not be a fay with some of the work that you do, perhaps just give some sort of um, I don't know, maybe a description, some ideas around what is cybercrime, what does it involve, and you know, what are you seeing currently happening in that particular industry. Yeah, well, cybercrime is becoming like um, top of mind on a, on a daily basis. It is there's been such a big um, convergence between physical and logical security. You know, that's it's a huge trend, and I think for especially with um, so. Can I rip? 
answer it again. Yes, you got me there out of it. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. So, um, no, what I what I see in cybercrime is that there's you know the convergence between physical and logical security is huge, mm-hmm. and cyber criminals continue to exploit the human element through social engineering, and to steal identities and to hack our systems. So it is really essential, especially for small businesses, to build um, cyber resilience as they make it. They are very attractive targets for cyber criminals. I think on average, um, employees in small companies receive about 350% more social engineering attempts than corporates. And it's, no, it's not a surprise because cybersecurity is a huge investment, especially when you start up. And um, the large organizations, they spend millions on cyber defense. So you know, cyber criminals prefer to rather go their path at least resisting. Now, it's Sun Tzu said you can be sure of succeeding in your attack if you attack at places which are not defended. Yeah, so it's cybercrime is growing. It's new battlefields for countries, organizations. It's, yeah. Sure. It sounds scary, right? As a small business, I'm thinking here, I'm looking at your and I'm thinking, you? <laughs> what investment have we made ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. In combating this, I think we... I don't know, it's probably some one of those loopholes that we don't pay attention to. But you've talked about the fact that security is in your DNA. How How did you get into that? What made you get into that? What... You know that part of your business yeah well if i just look back at my life story it's mm. um when i was um younger basically at at school i always thought i want to one day want to be a, a spy and <laughs> <laughs> not like spy versus spy yeah <laughs> So I'm after, showing my age as well. <laughs> <laughs> so after school, I managed to get into the intelligence services. And yeah, boy, was that then a wake-up call. Because in the late 80s, women are not allowed to be operational agents. Yeah. 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 So my first job was steaming open envelopes and listening to telephone recordings of government enemies. Yeah. yeah basically an <gasps> admin job. So unfortunately, um, after about two years and many motivations and some grueling training, I did become an operational agent as well as also be, did VIP protection. So it was a really exciting time in the country, you know, because that was when Nelson Mandela was released and yeah. uh, um, a lot of transformational energy was there and it was empowering as the rest of the world were welcoming us back. I did love every aspect of my life. You know, I was like 23 years old, traveled the world, and wow. had amazing experiences. Wow. In the White House, etc. And yeah, so I stayed in the intelligence sector for quite a while until the British press blew my cover. And <laughs> How? Yes. Like yeah. MI, what do they call them? MI8, what do they call them? James yeah, Bond. So <laughs> I was. <laughs> I used to um, accompany the, the president as the PA and then, yeah, so at that time they just, somebody took a photo of me and it was on all the the front pages. So the media frenzy meant that I was attracting too much attention and the risk was just too high for me to remain in the president's detail. Wow. Yeah, so I was then refer, um, transferred to a regional office and then after a few months resigned. Um, yeah, cause, and that's when I sort of pivoted my life into... Cyber security, because I had to reskill myself, because mm. you can't do much with lockpicking and unarmed combat as a civilian. Yeah, so I really had to like mine my life story for common threats and enabling me to commit, you know, to just look at my vision, what I want to achieve. Yeah. And what I want to do to make, you know, impact on the world. Yeah, so that's how I got involved in the internet. I went to buy a computer, did some courses, 
And then because of my security background, I was lucky enough to get into this new digital internet space where I could apply my security skills in the cyber world. You know, we're sitting in the studio with our mouths open. You can't, if you could see us, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Our jaws are on the floor. (laughs) Because I'm sitting here... um, And I'm, I'm thinking back to the 80s, right? Mm. Um, and I, I love walking. We talk about intergenerational stories and the significance of it. Um, Lewe and I are both business strategists. And mm. so we're always looking forward. The most important um, asset that exists today is information. Mm. And it's perhaps the most underrated in terms of its tradability, its significance, its relevance. And what you're highlighting is that this tool that we're all transacting with mm. on a continuous basis is the source of extreme intelligence and I think that is the cornerstone of successful strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, The ability to distill intelligence and information Mm -hmm. make meaning of it and in order to act or react um, in time and to make decisions. You entered this field in the 80s at the heart of apartheid, at the heart of what was popular and unpopular, but information has a use. You entered this space as a woman. Um, and, and now what you see, you know, when we hear that so-and-so doesn't want their profile to be known, there's a bit more significance for you because of the role that you were playing in terms of understanding your visibility. I've got mm-hmm. a friend who always talks about visibility and vulnerability. Um, so mm-hmm. we're listening in and, and I'm marveling at how translating what you are saying about the space that you occupied, but the relevance for everybody today, um, how particularly in a world of internet access, how we've all actually become more visible mm. and how a mm. lot of information and intelligence about us, and I'm using the word intelligence, yeah. intelligence about us is prevalent and available and accessible. Um, so you're highlighting to me as a listener that that intelligence can be used for good, but it can also be used for nefarious purposes. Purposes, right? Which brings into context your line of work. And I can understand. I'm sitting back and thinking, gosh, um, one of my jobs in my history was in banking and mm-hmm. was in business continuity. Mm-hmm. I always say that I learned how to break the bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and using that information. Applying that to other life spaces, I'm listening in and I'm just thinking about how this conversation is actually significant for everybody listening, how we've got to pay attention to the role of cyber security and what that means for all of us. Um, And, you know, taking it away from the business domain in the personal domain, how have you been able to keep your life private Mm -hmm. and and to to secure that? And what should people be paying attention to in the world of cyber security? If you can just give us some hints about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, so um, I, the fact that I accepted this um, invitation means, you know, my life is not as private as I would like it to be. Thank but, you. Uh, but I, I think, um, you know, as women, we have to break down barriers for other women to see that things are possible. And, you know, that's why when I decided to actually to do get my story out there and, um, you know, my entrepreneurial journey has been very good and I was... Mm. Very, I was you know, fortunate. If you go and Google probably Christie, then you'll see that um, you know, my career in cybersecurity, as well as my um, winning of the Entrepreneur of the Year, EY Entrepreneur of the Year mm. for Southern Africa, you know, that was created quite a lot of attention. Mm. So, um, you know, being, being a female founder in the cybersecurity space is still a bit of an anomaly. So, mm. big deal. Yep. Yeah. So, growing the company from a two-person startup to one of the most well-known security companies in the country. And then successfully selling it to a listed company created a lot of people's attention. Mm. So it is, um, 
you can't go back, you know. <laughs> You're out there. You're out there. <laughs> You're out there, yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, um, as, as entrepreneurs, so first of all, operating in spaces that are not typically occupied. First of all, spaces that are new for a lot of people, the cyberspace. We were talking for I had a lot mm. just before lockdown. Um, and now I think we've all, you know, come to terms with the fact that digital universe exists. But importantly, what you've set up is the ability to grow business at scale and sell. I think it's many entrepreneurs' dreams to create an asset worth trading in. Um, that somebody will buy. That somebody <laughs> wants to buy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. At a good price. Yeah. Um, what was the journey that you walked in terms of creating this amazing asset that you sold off? And I also want to get into your private space in terms of what you've done um, in, in Junior Achievement. But let's start off with, with, with the, the journey that you've walked to create a company from a two-man show to selling it off to, I believe, a listed company. Mm. What does that journey look like? What did it require of Christy to be able to walk that journey? What sets you apart? Because not everybody does that. That's a fact. Yeah, I think I, I was basically the company, you know, so I think I didn't really have a Christy. So now I'm mm. starting to get... Um, getting to know myself again so that's quite nice but you know when you when you go through the entrepreneurial journey there's so many stumbling blocks all along mm. and one of the ones that actually nobody warns you about is um you know how hard it is when you're successful and when you scale you know when you're, you have a small organization and you think you've got everything under control and then suddenly you win this massive tender mm. and you can't get to keep all your customers happy Oh, wow. um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that was a very big deal um, for me when we won the National ID Card Tender in 2013 because mm-hmm. we also had all the banks being our clients. And, uh, you know, at that time, I think we were with about 20 people then, but we had to start deadlines and I was disappointing my clients. Wow. And um, that made me realize how important it is to implement systems and metrics and just have mm-hmm. my, keep my finger on the pulse. Um, yeah, and then just getting back to the pointing actually a customer satisfaction manager and she gave me the the indexes on a daily basis mm. and yeah but you know what i learned is just you need to be transparent and share the news with your clients even if it's bad news you know yeah. you can't keep everybody happy all the time people don't spend a lot of time thinking about financial services They simply think about the money they need to do things and the things they need to do with money. That's why we don't think of ourselves as a financial services provider. Rather, we're a money company. In fact, we're the needs-matched money company. Everything we do is, well, needs-matched, including providing the world's first-ever needs-matched life insurance. Life insurance that changes as your life changes. And because we know our lives change, because we wanted to know and share everything there is to know about change, we call this school of thinking change science. It's why we created the Change Exchange, a free resource filled with tips, tools, and other people's stories of navigating change in their lives. And it's why we created this podcast series. You can find many more on changeexchange.co.za or on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Change Exchange.
Yeah, was that but an easy thing to do? I'm I about mean, to say, <laughs> because clients want to work with people that look like they've got their game on. <laughs> they yeah, know what they're doing, hard. you know. Because <laughs> it was very hard. Yeah. It's actually one of my banking clients said to me, Christy, um, I think Law Trust has outgrown its own capa- <laughs> capacity. <gasps> and I was like, yeah, you know, it was, but it was like, who's shouting the loudest? Because if, um, if, say we didn't make our deadlines at home affairs then it was on 702 that there's all these queues in front of yeah. home affairs <laughs> you know so it was and then otherwise internet banking sites were down it was like no it was a it was a, a scramble um i think very important to have a very strong core team um mm. you know i didn't believe in having silos i, I preferred a flat structure and we all knew what we want to do and you need to trust the people that's with you in the trenches and just lead by example. Um, I had my number as the first number that they can call 11 p.m. at night, you know, if things were down. And then I never just sort of outsourced everything to the team. That's quite a lot on your shoulders. It is. How did you cope mm. with that? How did you cope with being the focal point of contact um, and running what is a nationwide rollouts? And, and a growing business, right? Yeah, so that um, when I... Um, that's when I actually did another course. I believe in like always learning. So I did a scaling up course mm. and that sort of put like the rhythms of meetings um, and having the proper measurements and everyone in the team to need to know what is it that they need to do you mm. know, to make for us as a company to achieve our goals. So that became very important because, you know, as a startup, you you don't want too much admin and everything. Ew. People <laughs> coming in, they actually want job descriptions. They want to know what they should do. Exactly. They want to get feedback. And those are things that we sort of try and stay away, you know, coming, you know, when you start your business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been very good lessons for me um, along the way. And then, um, you know, I first sold my business in 2017 to mm-hmm. a listed company, but then I just did a share, um, a share swap. So I remained in the business because they signed my life away. And then um, what I learned then is, you know, to make sure that in three years' time when I could exit, that I'm ready that we sell, when we sell the business, um, that I can exit at the same time. So that just, just having a very strong executive team, um, you're making sure that I am not the single point, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that helped, you know. So I'm very proud of the fact that if I look at my, com- my company, of law trust, it will always be my company. They're now Ultron Security. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking at it and just see the successes they have, you know, when I see the Minister of Home Affairs talking about how they were managed to prosecute um, people committing fraud based on systems that we've put in place, you wow. know, so for me, that's legacy stuff that indeed. makes me proud. Ah, oh, indeed. And you've transitioned now from having sold Law Trust to a new entity, to a new uh, initiative. Tell us about that, or a new, yeah. Yeah, You're so like the I had a, slasher. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so I had a, um, my restraint of trade for a year. So yeah. in that time, I went to America and, you know, um, was working there at a, at a company just to get that global experience again. As Lotus, we did, you know, we did grow globally, internationally. So I had an office in Australia and in Saudi, we had huge projects. So, um, but I've, ne- I've always heard about the American market and how if you can get something right there, you know, people do, they print money. So I wanted just to get that experience. Mm-hmm. But I missed, you know, home in South Africa so much. But we, I did, um, we did register a business in San Francisco, it's the Voltec, and then in South Africa we 
created a foundation that focuses on combat, combating um, human trafficking. Mm. We're creating the awareness and we're developing the technology in Baltic that we then use in the foundation. Talk to us about your focus on human trafficking. Yeah, That's an interesting. Link, right? I know that it's it's growing. I've got. A, I always tell people that I've got teenage daughters, um, but it's not just refined. It's mm. just not confined to daughters. It's a topic I've been quite interested in. Um, what's your interest in the human trafficking? In terms of what what role are you playing in terms of um, bringing down the scourge, um, particularly? And what took you to that area of interest? Yeah, and the link between the cybersecurity and the human trafficking. I'm interested in that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um yeah, you know, some of the things you're not always sure if you can talk about it, but oh. yeah, no, but it's, it was when I was in, um, when we were working in Home Affairs, we were doing a project and there it was a lot of people were actually trafficked um, to Kenya, where you're either being sold as a sex slave or your organs are being harvested. Oh. So, um, you know, that sort of was always in my mind of trying to find solutions, you know, to, to stop this. And, um, yeah, so then, yeah, so I, t- I continued to, to remain involved in that space, you know, and mm-hmm. was monitoring and using my intelligence um, networks just to, you know, to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so for us, when I actually became a grandmother two years ago, I was, my friend and I were talking and I was like, how am I going to protect this little Kid. And, you know, mm. especially with everything happening. And that's when we started looking at, at the tech, you know, on tracking. And what I what I then realized is that we just have so much um, awareness that we need to create in South Africa. It's so easy to make a difference. It's mm. just, um, you know, stopping people being in situations where they are being trafficked. Yeah. That is one aspect. And, and then the rest is just using the technology to, to find people. You know, in Cape Town, I think there's was like 36 kidnappings in this year up to date. Wow. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's a bit tough because you can't, where do you go to? People don't go to the police. They don't trust them. No. So for us, it's just actually better to just try and make sure that people don't get into that situations. It's a topic that's close to heart. Um, when I used to write, <laughs> I always talk about mm-hmm. when I used to write. Mm-hmm. That's one of the topics that um, I have as one of the short stories. Um, also a TEDx organizer. And in 2019, we had a speaker from um, Australia, mm-hmm. Stephanie Rodriguez. And she's actually alerted me to the ability to use technology to fight the scourge. And I think it's worth mm-hmm. raising attention to what trafficking is, where it happens, how it happens, because sometimes we take it for granted. And I have given Given my daughter a tool where she wherever she is in the world it's almost like a gate remote she presses that and it sends an SOS to mm, her parents mm, immediately mm. it is sad that that is the case but the reality is for many young people it is not safe and the ability to have access to technology that can find them um, yes. the ability to have technology that can help you know reduce the incidences are well worth raising the profile of and to bring people's awareness to the fact that not everybody is safe we do not have safe environments safe passage and safe ways of redressing mm. it because it is so prevalent and because it is a lucrative industry and those are the yes. realities mm. of our times where there is an ability to transact on human lives um, mm-hmm. at a lower cost um, people are currently doing that and Africans are really at risk of this whether it is through you know the passage of, of people for domestic use yep. which is usually yeah. the easiest one or, or for family um, engagements these are modern day slavery and 
and abuse and modern day slavery, modern day slavery and abuse of the human life. And I think it's mm-hmm. worth it's worth bringing up. And and I think you've really got this altruistic and I think this power in having this altruism about your approach to life, which you also apply to junior achievement. The first time I heard about junior achievement is one of my oldest standing friends for about 27 years um, from Zimbabwe, actually. And mm-hmm. I think she was the president of her chapter. And every time in university, she would tell me about how she was in junior achievement and how that, that really helped in terms of her personal presentation and how it helped with her confidence and just an outward worldly, look, outward worldly look. So very excited for me to be in South Africa and to hear about a robust junior achievement um, uh, engagement. What is that about? What, what do you do with junior achievement as part of the board? And how does that impact young people? We're excited about the mm, fact that mm. your journey is, 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 is covering women's engagement. It's covering um, young people over and above the efforts that you're putting in your private business. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with Junior Achievement? Yeah, so um, I'm on the JA Africa board. So um, there's also, we have about 17 member nations. Um, South Africa is J, J, and JASA. Um, so I've been involved with them as well. But then from a, on a... On a continent perspective, we work very much, um, we were close with the guys in the States and, you know, worldwide. And then, um, you know, a lot of it, what we do is just creating those opportunities. We have different programs where we um, create entrepreneurial skills, financial literacy, and just prepare youth for um, for, for work. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my ma- big passions there is creating digital skills and mm-hmm. cyber skills because, um, you know, that's, with our huge unemployment in South Africa specifically, if we can address that, we can really become very competitive. But it's also on the entrepreneurial side. So um, we have a company of the year competition on an annual base in JA. So mm-hmm. the individual countries would first have their competitions internally in the provinces and then choose their, um, their winning company. Um, and that they will then go to, we normally had it in Ghana, but this year is in Nigeria in December where all these countries come and then the kids just have this, they run their business and they have to come and set up a stand and then they have a CEO and shareholders and they have to run a full business. They create a product um, and they just go through that whole cycle of, you know, being an entrepreneur. And so many of them is actually afterwards became really successful in That's great. The, the space. Yeah, it's really a very hands-on um, specific, um, you yeah. know, Oh, that would be something for, for for parents to be aware of, that such initiatives exist and that they, they should enroll their kids into initiatives like this that change their lives. Mm. I think it's important because I think we talk so much about getting youth into entrepreneurship and that entrepreneurship mm. is going to save the country. But then I think we expect it to happen by osmosis and not everybody's <laughs> made to be an entrepreneur. And I think this kind of program at least gives them a taste of what it is. And if children do decide to do something different, at least they've had a practical experience of what it is rather than expecting that everybody's an entrepreneur. Cause I don't think that's the case. Yeah. No, for uh, sure not. Yeah. And you have, we have the entrepreneurial programs, but we also have Leadership. financial literacy and, you know, a, a yeah. variety of programs. And we have really large sponsors like, um, City, um, Facebook, um, yeah, Delta. So it's really one of a. We this year JA worldwide. We were actually nominated for a Nobel Prize because of the difference we're making in the continent mm. around peace. So it's a. Uh, um, it's really it's great to be part of something that's really significant. 
you just I get so I actually get more back from it because when I go to like a company of the year competition, yeah, I get goosebumps and I come back <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, oh, you know. We always talk about the stuff that energizes us, right? Um, yeah. Given given the journey that you've walked and you're doing so much and you're giving back so much, I think we're curious about Christy, the the person, right? Um, and we always talk about the fact that change is, you know, as as you walk a, a journey, you, you metamorph. There's, there's some metamorphosis that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you morph, that's the English you word. You, <laughs> you transform, you change, yeah. you become. Um, what is your great, what, if you reflect on your journey to date, what is the greatest change or transformation you've undergone and what has it made of you and what has it changed about your reflection mm-hmm. in life? And, and I guess I'm giving you a loaded question in mm-hmm. terms of what was that change? What has it made you look like, um, think about, and what are the tools that you um, have been able to use to navigate that change or have now adopted to to maintain the, the new changed you that you've become through the journey that you walked? Yeah, well, I had to pivot and change quite a lot of my life and get used to change. For me, that's the only constant in my life. Um, you know, being selling the business, that was a big step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was actually thanks to COVID that I decided to do it. How did you let get... go? <laughs> yeah, because but it, for the first time in my life, I had time to pause. I wasn't in another country every week. Oh, and, okay. You know, so that just sort of, and because we're in the digital space and we were, we actually managed to within two days to run very well and we actually had our best quarter in law trust history in the first quarter of COVID because everybody wanted digital signage and everything yeah Yeah. so um, but then you know after a while I was like thinking okay now I've achieved my vision you know everything and it's like what's my next now what yeah yeah and that's when you sort of have to look at your life story and Mm -hmm. what's the the elements that's driving and and I think that's one of the main drivers why I decided okay now start the foundation um do things because living a life of purpose is much more meaningful than you know sip, sipping cocktails on camps mm. by beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's subjective. We can talk about that afterwards. <laughs> Never doesn't seem to quite agree with that yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We are a generation of South Africans. We have faced challenges and been given opportunities that our parents were not. We We have have seized seized the future future with both hands and we will be the change we want to see in in our our nation. nation. Our guests are orchestra conductors, mountaineers, investors and activists, pilots, winemakers and more. To listen, simply search for Change in One Generation wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by The Change Exchange. Helping you to better navigate life's changes. So we're loving that. I'm um, loving the, the journey and a living a life of purpose. What does that look like for you? What do you yeah. wake up to do? What is that living life of purpose? And you're already doing a lot and maybe just crystallize it for people who are sitting back and looking for tools and ways of Navigating being more purposeful um, in, in their approach because mm-hmm. they've, they've seen and identify with somebody who's been able to transcend, if I can yep. use that word, into a life of purpose. What does that look like? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it is... Um you know, you asked me for tools earlier, but it's actually, it's not really a tool. But I believe that once you can articulate articulate your purpose in love, mm. you will find the courage to live it. Mm. I always remind myself that today's struggles 
is tomorrow's strength and just to be nobody else but yourself. Mm. So when you clearly know who you are, everything else just follows naturally. And yeah, so that would be sort of what I would, my suggestion would be for anyone to decide where you're going to go with your career or just start off, with, even with children, you know, to do something that you love, not what's going to be making yeah. you money. Christy, have you always known who you are? You know, I'm about to say, and how did you do that? Because it's one of those <laughs> things where they say, find your passion, find your purpose. And I think for many people, unless you have, I suppose that's why we use the word tools, right? Unless you have some sort of process or method or journey that you or walk, awakening. that unpacks it for you, that says, I did this, this and that, and that led me to that, right? It remains this esoteric high level thing. And we all get stuck in this finding your purpose that I think many people kind of struggle with for a long time. So I think you are, you are fortunate that you can quickly say I found my purpose and I moved and I think even taking from this conversation the, the fact that you were so and I'm going to use strategically weaving the red, the threads through your life to get you from the one to the next thing to mm. the next thing as a consistency uh, but I mean what, what did you I mean finding your purpose is it's a big yeah. statement <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm fortunate that it's been you know my purpose has always been of I love security so it's yeah. been to keep people safe yeah. to keep countries mm. safe you know so that's I've never been outside of security in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that has been um, then using and you know, applying my skill set, you know, now with the foundation to keep people safe. Um, mm. And on this, in the cyber world and with SMEs to actually assist them and say, what is the easiest mm. way to get your, your company ready, you know, and um, without spending, breaking the bank, what is the, you know, a few mm. things that you can do? So just building that cyber resilience organizations I'm obviously very passionate about women empowerment yeah so I have a lot of things that keep me very busy that's very and I never and I never work one day in my life you see, oh, that's Christy, a cocktails. Those are nice, beautiful <laughs> questions. <laughs> but what I'm taking yes. in from what you've said is this: I have this image in my mind of anchoring. Yeah, um, very strong. And, and I think that there's a very strong anchor mm. in terms of the direction you've chosen to take. Mm. It's been focused in a particular place. Whilst you may sound like you're doing a lot, it's all related mm. to the same kind of space. And when you're anchoring, there's an ability to create a depth around what you're doing, a level of trust around you, and also a track record around the things. That that you've done and that makes it a lot easier for people I guess to engage with you and also for you to grow your span of, of influence control authority and relationships mm. in that particular space I'm taking that for me as the biggest tool um, that perhaps you can that, that I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm translating from the conversation that you know here's a woman who's walked a journey of life and has taken all the circumstances and has just looked at where her core strengths lie her passion lies and has focused on growing that to be the standard that she shares with the world when she's chosen to. And it must provide so much clarity, right? Because you're clear what's in, what's out. This doesn't look like this, so it's out. And I think for me, just having that clarity of your your insecurity, uh, that's that's part of who you are. There's safety, the security, there's how do you apply technology to make that better? There's the there's you know, the women, the youth angle. I think for me even that becomes a very strong source of innovation because you're you're clear on what you're trying to solve for. You know, the questions mm. that you ask around what is the next thing are clear because they're in a particular direction. I think that's mm. quite that's quite admirable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks.
<laughs> so so what's next? What's next for Christy as we as we close off this conversation? What's next? What's what's the next thing? As I say, you're like the ultimate slasher. What's the next thing? Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, star, I'm a startup. We found it very recently. So now I have to getting back into the trenches, working in the business, not on it, because there's not a big team that I can get, you know, to assist. And that's been quite humbling. You know, when you and it, but it's been it's been great. You know, it's actually learning new skills again. Um, that's why I also started a, a course at UCT at the moment, where I've luckily got only two weeks left of it, and that's just to look at what's new in strategy. You know, because mm. things have changed. Because for a while, people were saying ah, to do a SWOT is old fashioned and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's fundamental. You, know, your you have external, to do a SWOT. The, the external factors for strength and weaknesses, and you know, it's you know the threats and opportunities. Everything. You know, that's external. That's all. It just stays the same. So yeah. one actually has to do it on a quarterly basis. Do it on your competitors and just make sure you craft your 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 path for your business. And I think that's where I am now with. My new baby, and yeah, it's going to be big. So it's an exciting journey to be part of again. Well, we wish you well. And I think judging by your track record, I'm sure this will be nothing short of a success again. So we look forward to watching what this journey looks like. Um, I also am very fortunate. I'm very uh, excited of the things that you shared today because I think our listeners also have shared some pearls around. I think for me, this idea of of purpose, of anchoring, I think as you spoke right at the beginning, just this clarity of what are the things that are consistent about me and common about me and how do I take that to the next phase of my life and Mm. everything that I apply, I think are key that people can learn because I think we look for stuff out there and all over and I think what you've kind of anchored for us is this internal piece of who I am what am I about and actually what drives me uh, which is actually seeming to kind of make you move on to the next thing and consistently and successfully so so I'm sure this is going to be as successful if that is what is the foundation of how you go forward. So we wish you the greatest of luck. Absolutely. Uh, we are pretty sure and we hope that this is not the last engagement and there'll be mm-hmm. many more because there's so much in common, particularly around how we elevate the continent. I mean, Rehemas and I's uh, big, big passion is around how we how we make sure that women are not on the sidelines of driving what is this amazing continent, but actually at the mm. center and not and not on the periphery and an afterthought. So I think having that in common and saying, how do we help this continent rise and elevate yes. using different facets and women being at the center? That's what womanomics is about. Um, yeah. I think I think that's very important. So thank you so much, Christy, for your time. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. And I know Rehema said right at the beginning that you're not really a person who likes to do these chit chats <laughs> that we have in this interview. <laughs> but I think uh, it, 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 the ability to share our stories with other people, uh, I think, is very powerful. And for many people, they will take many nuggets from this. They will see themselves in yourself, uh, uh, particularly, I think, because you're in a space that many women don't kind of operate in. And I think you will give a lot of encouragement for many women who might have not even thought about this as, as, as a place. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your stories. Thank you for the insights that you shared. And yeah, we're privileged. We are. Have a fantastic day for that. Thank you. And thanks for inviting me. This was brought to you by Abba Kogli, the Storytellers, a Womanomics Africa podcast brought to you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Visit www.changeexchange.co.za to learn more about the science of change and how you can navigate change in your life.
If you're enjoying these groundbreaking conversations, be sure not to miss any of our upcoming episodes like this one. They always talk about uh, in entrepreneurship that when you build a business, that you should always think about what's going to happen towards the end, right? So mm-hmm. that you're creating an asset of value that you're going to sell. And you've talked now the fact that there are some opportunities that can arise. You know, what are you seeing from a change perspective? Where do you see those opportunities? What's what's likely to, to un- un- unfold for other people in this space? Mm-hmm. I believe we will be seeing in the food sector, which is what I'm in, we will be seeing a lot more growing your own veggies in your garden, Mm. having your chicken with eggs laying, and all of that brings me back to smaller, little sustainable Mm. businesses. Mm. So a lot more of what we did in COVID, I suppose we all became...